I'm Kristen Hostetter, and you're listening to the Straight Talk podcast by Outside Business Journal. I'm really psyched about my guest today. The one and only Jeremy Jones is here with me. How are you, Jeremy? I am doing awesome. So great to see you. I know. I know. It's good to see you too. Of course, Jeremy is a pro snowboarder. He is the founder of Protect Our Winners, the founder of Jones Snowboard. He's a very busy man. He's a climate activist. And he also, full disclosure here, folks, happens to be my first cousin. Okay? We grew up together. Our moms are joined at the hip, identical twins. Our fathers were best friends and football teammates back in high school. Jared and I grew up in the crib, on the mountain, on the beach together. So I'm really proud of him. And I'm really psyched to see here and have a conversation that's kind of half work, half chat. <laughs> yes, I'm looking forward to it too. And I, I definitely can't, um, it's just so cool that our lives have um, intertwined and we get to call this work. I know, we're actually getting paid here. <laughs> <laughs> so you're at home in Tahoe right now, right? Yep. Okay, and how's the smoke situation, the wildfires? Yeah, I mean, we have a bunch of big fires near us or, you know, around us, not like worried about them coming into our community, which is we're very grateful for, but definitely uh, been dealing with kind of smoke lottery and it's just, um, it's been wild to see. It's just been this constant. We had a proper blue sky day recently and it was like, a, I'm like, is it always look like this? Like, I forgot what like real blue sky looks like. So um, yeah, it's hopefully uh, not the new norm, but, um, and we got some rain, a little bit of rain, hopefully in the forecast. And so yeah, it's de- doing with, dealing with it how we can. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And you know, you talk a lot about, um, you know, in your movies and in, in your interviews about the change that you've seen in the mountains with less snow, warmer winters, obviously, um, receding glaciers. In wildfires, I think it's, you know, it, it's easy to kind of forget that this, these raging wildfires that California has had for like three or four years straight now, right, is, is also so directly related to climate. Yeah, I mean, it's something like we talk about the new normal. Um, and I mean, I've lived here for 25 years and um, it was like not being able to say get out and get exercise um, What due to smoke really uh, it started. We had, I think about eight years ago, we had some, some fires that kept us indoors. And then, um, yeah, so looking at the last eight years, it's been it's kind of like we're playing fire roulette um and it yeah it's disheartening and you really see um like for these communities to operate we need clean air um and because you if you can't exercise nobody's coming here and so talk about like a town just um emptying out and the restaurants going empty and all that stuff as soon as smoke hits it's like everyone's out of here yeah yeah for sure all right let's talk about your latest movie purple mountains okay i uh, i've seen all your movies of course there's dozens of them i love them all um this one feels really different to me though because it's it's a lot less action and a lot more issue oriented right so tell me about the inspiration and why you know how this movie came to be and why you felt so compelled to do this different kind of movie 
Yeah, so going into this election, um, we look at this as the most important election of my lifetime, specifically on climate. and I have this platform that the outdoor industry has given me. And I just felt like um, I need to do everything I can to try to utilize that platform to get us on the right track as a country. And as someone who's made a bunch of films, um, I decided to dive into this film, which as you said, is very different. It's not action based. There's some action in there, but it, um, It's really much more of an impact documentary, which is putting me way out of my comfort zone, which I like getting out of my comfort zone, but it also is um, kind of scary at the same time. Okay, Jeff, so tell me, tell people a little bit about the premise of the movie, because I thought it was really interesting. You, you know, you talk about going out of your comfort zone. You actually sought out people with different opinions than you to try to engage them in conversations around climate and find this common ground, right? Like it's a really interesting premise. Yeah. So I, it's based on the, um, on the fact that climate is the most divisive issue in our country right now. And so um, the film is about my exploration to understand why we are so divided and really around um, finding these outdoor enthusiasts, people whose life, what we call protect our winners, the outdoor state, uh, whose life revolves around being in the outdoors. And the, you know, people that are, that we share this passion for the outdoors, but don't, um, you know, are divided on climate. So I go and seek out these um, people and, and just have discussions and really do a lot of listening. Yeah, that came across for sure. Um, And, you know, and here we are, we're shooting this conversation on October 6th. We are exactly four weeks away from election day right now. Um, And you've been really laser focused on POW's get out the vote campaign lately, right? Yes. Um, So how is that going? What kind of engagement are you seeing with all of the tools that you guys created? And how optimistic and hopeful do you feel right now about that? I mean... I guess from, uh, I look at it like we're trying to climb this big mountain and, um, and we still got a bunch of, we got four weeks of mountain in front of us. And so um, we're moving in the right direction. We got a lot of work ahead of us. Uh, but as far as we're definitely seeing engagement um, and getting a bunch of new people out to vote and specifically in key areas is where we're spending our time. Great. Yeah, I thought your tool, the tools that you guys set up were were so useful. In fact, I sent them to uh, my son, Charlie, who's in college, and uh, because I thought it was a really easy way to share all the tools that those kids need to make sure they're getting their absentee ballots, right? And what a great place to focus is on college campuses. I said, make sure you share this with all your friends. <laughs> yeah, so that's a great, Charlie is an awesome example. Um, we recognize, I go into, in this film, I don't go in and be like, I'm going to turn this guy and make him a climate champion. I, I, you know, we don't at protect our winners. We are focused on, um, traditional non-voters, uh, which is the biggest political party in the U S almost the same size as the Republican and democratic party combined. Uh, and we focus on that middle person who's maybe on the fence. Uh, and so that's really, 
the the goals of the film and as charlie um can attest like it's it's overwhelming if you've never voted before especially during a pandemic and it's not by chance that uh, especially in these purple states that could come down to a couple hundred votes it gets even more complicated in there so pow's uh, make a damn plan uh, dot com uh, site is this one stop shopping to get you um, registered. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I definitely don't want to talk and didn't really intend to talk too much about politics because um, that can get crazy. But I do want to ask you something. Um, back in June of 2016, you might recall um, right after President Trump pulled out of the Paris Agreement, I called you to see what you thought about it. Um, cause I knew you were not going to be happy about it. Um, you were super pissed. You were fired up. And I asked you to pull out your journal because you were in Europe traveling at the time and to write a dear Mr. President letter. Um, and I published that on snooze. It went totally viral because you just spilled out your guts. It was in your handwriting. It was so great and so well done and so timely. It was all about your kids and the future that you were leaving for them. Um, if you were going to write a Dear Mr. President letter today, what would you say? Oh, man. I mean, I we're so far um, <laughs> along and hopefully towards the end of this. But I guess it's like we're, you know, just listen to science. Um, it's like the death of the expert and the death of science because we don't like what the experts are telling us is has far more i mean that's been the playbook with climate and then now our current president has brought that into the pandemic and these other areas of life and that's just a dangerous course for a society to take is to stop listening to experts in science so that's what i would say mm -hmm. okay all right well let's talk for a minute about um social media because it's a huge platform for you. You have uh, about 300,000 followers on Instagram, right? Instagram's your favorite platform, I think. A lot of times your posts on climate get trolled, right? You get, you get people on there that just start ripping into you. And um, sometimes it can feel really personal. How do you, how do you, do you read, I guess, do you read all the comments and how do you deal with that? And what's your, what's your, tactic on on coping with that or dealing with it yeah i mean in general i i mean maybe right when i post before it gets too crazy i'll read some comments but i know what i'm getting into and it's and it's really this um loud minority that is coming out it's um paid trolls it's bots are a lot of it and i guess it, it Unfortunately, social media is not the greatest platform to have a um, in-depth conversation with people right. and the loudest kind of most aggressive people kind of steal the, the show. And I guess the, the sad part of that, so I don't, again, like there's very little return on time investment to like go head to head with some staunch climate denier um the sad part is is i miss out on opportunities to talk to maybe someone that does have a meaningful question that would be a good dialogue to have but i just you know i don't um yeah i mean i i my intentions are pure they're backed by science 
and not um, speaking up and doing everything I can to get our country on the right path is just because of some loud trolls is really, um, I'm just not going to do yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. You've learned your lesson. I'm, I'm sure it's hard. It's sometimes hard to bite your tongue, right? Yeah, I mean, that's a, again, it's like, that's why I don't spend that much time on it. Um, I can just look and be like, wow, 400 comments. There's a war going on in there and it is both sides. <laughs> and the reality is it's more positive than negative. And a lot yeah. of those, those ones that have the most, um, you know, aggressive kind of comments are also the most liked. So then it's right. like, clearly you got to, you know, the numbers show people support me on that and then also understanding what created these trolls it's not by chance that uh a white male um, of a certain age demographic is five times more likely to be a climate denier than than anyone else and that's because of this sophisticated uh campaign by the by the fossil fuel industry that's been going on since the 70s to create climate denial and so with that, I don't that understanding what made these people so angry. Um, I, I have a level of empathy for them, and and so I actually don't take it uh, as personal as I once did. Yeah, good. Do you do do you manage? Do, are you in control of all your social posts on on Instagram, or do you have someone who helps you with that? No, I'm totally. That's yeah. all me. You're, yeah, good. You do a good job. No, thank you. <laughs> so like everybody these days, you've been sticking pretty close to home, which is very unusual for you, right? Yeah. I mean, the big thing is the business travel for me, like this traditionally launching this film, I was planning on like doing a road trip across the country to these different college towns and, um, and doing a very robust, um, tour with the film in these purple states uh and then also the in the fall is a busy time from a um with snowboard company and sales meetings and things of that nature so uh that chunk of travel quite frankly having that off my plate has been really nice and then with the snowboarding i it's kind of like i'm my busiest time of year is um october 1st to the sale or the um, trade shows. And after that, I get to be a pro snowboarder and I have total control of my schedule, February to June, really. And I spend that in the Western US um, and going, because as someone who loves to go and explore uh, new mountains, the Western US is stacked with them. And so that's been um, my focus really for the, I'd say the last eight years. Yeah, awesome. Good. Well, you're lucky you have so many good mountains right out your backyard, backyard as well, and, and that your kids love to do it with you. Yeah. What do you think? I think this winter is going to be, you know, pretty crazy, though, because, you know, people aren't going to be traveling for skiing. You know, the, the, all of the multi-resort pass companies are coming out with these statements. There's going to be new rules. There's going to be, you know, a lot more you know, there's going to be challenges probably with gear sales. I mean, what do you think this winter is going to be like amid this pandemic for, for winter sports? I mean, as a, you know, having a snowboard company that has got a lot of hard goods um, sitting in, in shops, 
you know, it's scary for sure. We're totally in the unknown, but the reality is I actually don't spend too much time looking into the, at this point, it's like an Ouija board, like who, <laughs> there's just so much unknown. And so putting energy into that unknown, I mean, from a manufacturer of snowboarders, we're just trying to be as nimble as possible. Um, but as far as what the resorts look like and, and what have you and, and sales in that manner, um, we just, I have no idea. <laughs> I wish I had an eye. That's the, I mean, it's like I could call up the head of squad and be like, what do you think, man? And it's like, it could change in a month. Who knows? You know, is the pandemic coming back? We have no idea. All right. Well, that's a totally honest answer. Um, let me ask you this, though. I think, you know, one thing that most people are saying is that because the resorts are going to be a little bit trickier to navigate with social distancing and possibly, you know, needing to do reservations at the resort, there's definitely been an uptick in interest in the backcountry. And that's a great thing for Jones, right? For Jones Snowboards, you guys, you know, you, you'd make a lot of split boards, that's your thing. It definitely kind of begs the question, you know, in the fear that people are going to be going into the backcountry for the first time this winter without proper training, safety training and avalanche training, right? Yeah, so I am confident in saying the backcountry is going to be more crowded than it's ever been this yeah. winter. Um, we saw that when COVID hit, um, trailheads were the busiest they've ever been. Uh, and the mountain bike trails have been the busiest they've ever been, the hiking, what had climbing, all of that. Um, and so I absolutely have fear with people's safety. Uh, a big thing is also just like the difference between a snowpack in November and December and January compared to February, March, April, May, uh, it's just a way more dangerous early season. And um, so just getting, uh, and we just see like the lift lines in every speck of snow that falls in early season, November and December, or even January, it's like the froth levels are so high at the resort. And now that will be in the back country. And, that's a time to really just kind of get your legs strong. And my winter um, really is focused around February, March, April, May, and even into June. And when I give talks on uh, splitboarding and I, you know, go, hey, who's excited? I am. Who's the first time I am? I'm like, great. May and June's your time. And the irony is um, people don't like that answer. They're like, I want to be out there on that beautiful November, December, first snowfall day. And, and yeah, you go out there, but man, you've got to be really careful. Yeah, for sure. And I wonder if we'll start seeing more of these um, uh, backcountry type resorts. Like there's one, there's a new one in Colorado. I think it's called Bluebird, right? It's a, a touring resort and a backcountry resort where Presumably, it would be a little bit safer because there's people around and there's there's education opportunities and um, be great if we started seeing more of those, huh? So that thank you for saying that. I mean, my trend uh, that absolutely, um, if you think of like a, you say my home resort Squaw Valley, if it is limited opening, like. A, like you're seeing in Aspen, let uphill, put an uphill track. You see it all over Europe. It's a big part of 
the communities that have them where they allow you to split board up in the morning uh, before the lift opens and it's a clear path and it's just such a great way to get um, a nice workout in and then experience the morning and then these controlled areas that um, you know we people want and it, not every resort is set up for it but um, I just really hope that these resorts that that maybe can you know think outside the box and and go you know what we're not going to open that lift that's going to be an uphill zone and instead of having it be tracked out in two hours it's going to take all day or maybe it takes three days and but you get this great uphill experience that sure maybe you take a trail a chairlift to get there or what have you but um i really hope that the resorts are rethinking their product. Yeah. Yeah, that would be a great thing to see come out of this, huh? That is, uh, you know, I mean, so backcountry is becoming more popular. Uh, now I want to turn to something that I, I, I mean, I actually like to think that back in the day when we were, when we grew up skiing at Stowe, we were way ahead of the game and way ahead of the crowd because we loved the backcountry and we sought the backcountry out. I'm going to show you something that's going to crack you up. And I want you to tell, uh, tell us a little story about <laughs> the coyotes, right? Oh my God. I wish I had it on my hat. <laughs> were we, the, we were the, coyote too. the original backcountry, um, like rugrats, right? That's what the coyotes were. Yeah, so we fell in love with finding the best tree runs um, at Stowe, Vermont, and we had, um, we called ourselves the Coyotes. I have no idea where the name came from, and we had the hats made at Moriarty's, um, and yeah, so um, Adam, you know, your youngest brother and I, we were Coyote Juniors, and, and it is funny because that um, idea and concept of like finding that ultimate run top to bottom, incorporating all aspects of snowboarding into a single run, uh, that concept is really what has been my compass in snowboarding since being a little kid, um, being a Coyote Junior. Awesome. Well, I take full credit for that. I'm just saying. Yeah, I'm not, obviously, I, you get that credit, well-deserved. Well, it was really great to talk to you, Jer. Thanks for everything. Thanks for all your efforts getting out the vote. And um, hopefully we will see each other at a family reunion or out on the mountain somewhere soon. Awesome to see you. And um, we need to get on snow together soon. Absolutely. And thank you, everybody, for listening to this episode of the Straight Talk podcast by Outside Business Journal. The outdoor industry is full of fascinating people doing bold things, whether it's in sustainability, diversity, equity, and inclusion, specialty retail, activism, marketing, or brand building. And here at Straight Talk, we dive straight in. This episode was produced by me, Kristen Hostetter. Our executive producer is Jeff Moore. Our executive audio engineer is John Barclay. Our associate producer is Ashish Threstha. Our production assistant is Louisa Albanese. Please subscribe today to the Straight Talk podcast, write us a review, and of course, stay up on the latest outdoor industry news at outsidebusinessjournal.com.